Welcome to After All, a cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And this week we are discussing uh, episode eight, The Snow Must Go On, a nice, funny little play on, you know, the old-time showtime classic. That's right. And in this week's episode... Put in charge of the station's election coverage, Mary is put to the test when a blizzard completely suspends election results and the crew threatens to mutiny. So this week we're seeing seeing Lou put all of his faith and all of his power, essentially, in Mary's hands. And she is given the the run of the station very much against her will. Mm -hmm. She has no confidence in herself to be able to do this. She's doing her usual, you know. I'm not good at authority. Yeah, I I can't. I just can't do that. And, you know, not really knowing how to assert control over uh, the staff at the station. Mostly male. Mostly male, yes. And even Rhoda's kind of revolting against her despite agreeing to help her right and it this whole episode like it's cute and it's kind of just a a bit of a nothing episode like ultimately whether or not anybody listens to her or her confidence in herself none of that's ever really called into question it's all kind of just there yeah um but i found this a really interesting episode especially because of you know her entire lack of confidence in herself hugely and very much at a time when women weren't women in the in the throughout the 50s 60s and and into the 70s and this was 1970 were not really ever provided with the resources to be able to uh, have confidence in themselves or control over their situation or, or to be leaders really not in in this kind of a, a corporate situation, whether it's in media or in whatever mm-hmm. field, I think there were very, very few women in positions of authority um, and being thrust in, like in her case, in mm-hmm. a, to be put in a position of authority where she had the right to say to the staff, you need to do this or that or the other. Mm-hmm. It was hugely uncomfortable for her and... The, I think the staff were kind of scratching their heads, looking at her like, you're in charge. Yeah. And I've, I, and the subtext to me is, but you're a woman and we don't take orders from women. Yeah. And that's really... And that's the way it was. The, yeah, very much so. Yeah. And it's also this idea of, well, yeah, like, well, you're not Lou. So... Yeah. No, so we're not going to listen to you. We're not going to listen to you. And the only times they do is when Lou's standing in the background. Right. Until later, and she threatens to fire Ted. Ted. But even that seems very kind of just 
flippant in passing. He's just mm-hmm. not really willing to risk it at that point when he's so exhausted and run down. And in reality, I don't think that it would have helped. Like mm-hmm. if he had gone ahead and uh, and announced uh, a winner to this election based on someone else's uh, prediction. Yeah. And even though she said, if you do this, you'll you're fired. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it following through that he would actually get fired on her on her say so. Yeah. So her authority is, I think, rather tenuous. Very much so. Yeah. Oh, completely. But yeah, I mean, even even the guy who's kind of run it, you know, now we have to go to to commercial and what is he, the you know, producer? action. He's not no, because lose the producer. So what? Are, so what is that guy? The guy who, who says commercial. Or, maybe he's like the director for the for the for, the, for that. Yeah, maybe hour or whatever. And he calls and her honey twice. He, yeah, he keeps calling her honey, and like when she's trying to get control of everybody, when they're like, "All right, that's an hour for dinner." And she's like, "Well, actually, you know, if I could have everybody's attention and nobody's focusing, and she can't quite bring herself to have the power or force to be able to say, hey, hey listen to me." here's the situation and to really command anything and he goes hey honey what's your name Mm. mary okay mary what do you want to say and that's kind of it and then mary Mary wants your attention and then everybody gathers around like magic a male voice commands attention hey listen to this uh this dame over here she's got stuff to say but it's It's very madman it's very yeah and and not you know it's 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 interesting enough to be able to watch it and kind of go, oh, well, that's cute, or that's interesting, or, oh, poor Mary, ha, ha, ha. But it's so problematic and I, so indicative of the way things were. Were, and they are better, and there are but. certainly way more women in positions of authority, yeah. and I think there are way more women who have confidence in their leadership mm-hmm. abilities. I know many. Oh, yeah. Um, and even just seeing women in media who are able to assert uh different amounts of control over their situation and i'm reminded of lauren duca who is the she's a a main contributor for and i believe also an editor for teen vogue she's you know one of the many women at teen vogue leading the revolution and totally revamping everything and she was on fox news and sorry long brown hair i you know she's very pretty <laughs> but aside you know and even that like we the way we 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 know of certain of certain women in media is usually based on whether or not we've seen them and know what they look like but she was on this was many months ago not long after uh it was elected and she <laughs> the clown it yeah yeah and she was doing an interview with tucker carlson i think is his name tucker i know is his first name because he's a repugnant fuck but he 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 is now leading he's the main anchor on fox news now he took over for what's her face and he did an interview with her before he had taken that position and it was just the most repugnant thing he could not have been any more disdainful towards her and you know kept calling her authority into question and calling her um her skill as a journalist and a political a political journalist into question because she was a woman or because, because she's she's, she's because at she's Teen Vogue okay. both to the point where he insulted her by saying you should really stick to your thigh high politics or stick to writing about thigh high boots oh so God. then it kind of hurt because of that like and I'm I'm watching this and I want to cry because I'm thinking I don't know what I would do if I was put in that kind of a position where my authority was so 
horrendously and horrifically challenged just for the fact fact undermined in a in a base kind of very derogatory way by virtue of being a woman and by virtue of writing for a publication that though it's making some of the amazing inroads amazing inroads for everything politics sex uh you know the lgbt community everything they you know they just did the an entire article on on anal sex and what to know, what not to know, what to do, what not to do, the questions to ask, the places to go for answers, and the way to figure out what whether or not this is right for you. In Teen Vogue, talking about an open discourse on sexuality for things that are generally, you know, looked down on. Yeah. And she's making amazing headway and is definitely one of the more their more publicly famous um, writers right now. And yeah, just completely denounces her on national television. And I'm watching it going, I would cry. And you can see her face just horrified and flushed and not knowing what to do. And she handles herself amazingly. Mm. She is so composed. But, and he, you know, it, it has now become a rallying cry to say, I like my politics thigh high. And there's uh, this company, I can't remember their name, but they, they started marketing a shirt um, with women's legs in thigh high boots and in between them in kind of handwriting saying I like my politics thigh high and all of the proceeds from this 30 or 32 dollar shirt are going toward uh, Planned Parenthood which is amazing but you know I'm I'm thinking of her in this position and all other women who are put in these positions where you know and even someone like Ava DuVernay who is a director Mm -hmm. and being put in these positions where you must command you must command authority but as a woman in a commanding position it's almost like either you either you can't give a fuck and you just have to go into what you're going to do and risk people being like oh well she's bossy or oh she's tyrant or she's this or she's that well granted they'd never really call her a tyrant no woman would be a tyrant they're just because that that denotes an element of respect (laughs) But, but yeah, you'd be, you'd be called bossy and aggressive. And I'm, and I'm reminded of a personal incident with, well, there's a few. Um, but I, I'm thinking back to high school. And I, in my history class with, uh, I love this teacher, but he gave us an assignment. Uh, we were looking at World War II, I believe. And the idea was that the class was going to be divided into two separate factions. You'd have the British and the German, and the German I believe. And each side was going to be working for a newspaper and a publication. And everybody would have their duties. And people were assigned by our, our, our teacher. Uh, they were assigned, you know, whether they were going to be the writers or the editors or the editor-in-chief. And everybody was given an assignment. And one person was the editor-in-chief of either publication. And he made me the editor-in-chief of the British side. And I was, and he, and he assigned these. Well, yeah, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't have in charge. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do, nobody's going to listen to me. And at this point, I was also ferociously unpopular. This was not long after Kevin had passed away. Uh, And, and, and and all of that happened. And I had... I literally had no friends. Mm. And so I wasn't, nobody was going to listen to me. And I hadn't, and he knew everything that was going on. Mm. And um, he said, he put his foot down and he said, you are capable of this. Mm -hmm. You have authority. You can do this. Mm -hmm. And I want you to try. And the worst thing, worst case scenario, the worst thing that happens is it's no good. And and maybe you make up for the grade later. 
but you are going to do this because I know that you can. And I did it. And, and I think I was one of only a couple of people in the class to get, I think I got a hundred percent plus a bonus for, for how good the final product turned out. Uh, and it you know with the layout and everything and that was everything like I didn't have to so you had to do like a physical newspaper you had to print off and make like it wasn't like a full size like that but it was kind of you know in a book so you know putting it together and printing everything off and making sure everybody was meeting their deadlines and staying on top of it and that was I think the first little source of huh I guess I can do this whole writing thing and I guess I can kind of guide and and edit and make things function And tell people what to do and be in yes. charge. Yes. And you're very good at telling people what to do and being in charge. Which is funny because thinking about it that way, it's it's like there's very much that idea kind of in the back of my head of, oh, well, you really like to tell people what to do and you like being in charge. You know, that kind of thing yeah. yes. that gets in the way of feeling okay with being in charge. But if, and, and the thing about being in charge is that Somebody has to do it. Yes. To to be a to be s- such an egalitarian workplace or organization mm-hmm. or country or city that has no leader doesn't work. It never works. No. You need to have a person or even two persons who are in charge and it you don't have to be a dictator to no. be a good leader. You need to inspire people and you need to have that quiet confidence that says, people, this is what we're going to do. And this is our our goal and this is our vision and this is how we're going to go about it. And people were like, yeah, yeah. let's do it. And, and, and it also comes from an ability because I know a lot of people who are who fancy themselves great leaders mm-hmm. and they the problem there always stems from they know how to. They can see the volume of work, but they try to take it all on themselves. Mm. They don't delegate. Exactly. And there's the kind of the martyrdom of leadership. And yeah. especially, and I do see this more women predominantly with women, yeah. where we don't necessarily, we're not born or bred with the mentality that we can ask or tell people to do specific things in a specific right. way. We're, you know, born and bred to bear the burdens of all of the other things. You know, if we have to work harder than everybody else to prove that we can do the exact same thing. And we are good at taking orders, but not at giving them. Yes. And it, because by giving them, we're bossy or we're domineering or, you know, no. any, any of anything else. We're not good leaders. We're bossy. And that's just not fair. It is not fair and it's not true. No. And I think even even leaving the gender aspect aside and i've worked for many many decades with various people mm-hmm. under various people and i think there is a big difference and i i didn't make this up i read it or heard it somewhere and there's a big difference between being a good leader and being a good manager yes and one is a, a good leader inspires people and a good manager is good at the structural aspect and the and the administrative aspect of getting a job done mm-hmm. they're both important but they require different skills if you find a person who has both it's amazing and that that will be like your best boss ever in your life yeah um it rarely happens in one person and those um innate leadership skills 
generally men are geared to those because they're socialized into being in in those kinds of positions having said that they're not necessarily often good at them and they're kind of inbred you don't learn to be a good leader you can learn to be a good manager but I don't think you learn to be a good leader as you it's kind of it's part of your personality yeah and I've seen I've actually seen and I've seen this in women more than in men probably because I've worked in a female dominated world in healthcare. Mm-hmm. I've seen women kind of trying to put that fake script of I'm warm and fuzzy and, and I'm trying to inspire confidence in you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to inspire confidence in me as a leader so that you as my subordinates will trust me to lead you. And it comes across as false. It's as if they don't believe in themselves or it's like, this isn't the way I do business, but I'm supposed to do business this way. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's awkward. It doesn't, it rings false. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't yield the same results. Absolutely not. No. And that's, have you ever found yourself, I guess, in that position where you were made to feel like you weren't supposed to lead or like your leadership wasn't um wasn't enough or wasn't valued yes um in in some ways i've i've had actually i've been very fortunate that i've had experiences kind of at both ends of the spectrum so when i first started working at what is now mckenzie health formerly york central hospital i the the job i took was a leadership job i was the the supervisor or the manager of my lab and I kind of walked in and I was given carte blanche to do whatever I wanted. And I came from a teaching hospital downtown where there was a lot of hierarchy and a lot of structure. So to be kind of in that position was was a little scary. I was doing the Mary thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? You want me to just like make all these changes? And after I got over that initial shock of being given so much responsibility, mm-hmm. I kind of reveled in it and it was like, great. This is fabulous. I know what, because I knew I was confident in being a a subject matter expert. I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it was a matter of kind of getting the, the, the people that were under me to just to kind of get them on board. And many of them, most of them, in fact, were quite happy to follow me, if you want to use those terms, Mm um, in, Another set of circumstances when I was doing infection control, and that was a more complicated situation because infection control is kind of a standalone position of authority, but I was trying to tell directors of other departments to tell their staff to do things my way. And they were like, "Uh, no, because I'm the boss here kind of thing. So, and this was all women, so it wasn't even a gender issue, Uh, but it was very uncomfortable. I did not like being told no, even though what I was asking people to do was the correct thing, mm-hmm. you know, scientifically. And that also falls into, like you say, well, they were all women, so it kind of puts the gender issue aside, but it doesn't. It's ve- it actually almost highlights it even more so in that there's we this... Are young? 
sorry? We eat our young? Well, aside from that, because yeah. obviously. <laughs> but no, that um, because women are so not socialized to be leaders, and because in your generation that was still very much prevalent, like as we see with Mary in this, and you were a teenager watching this stuff, right? So more women than just you are watching this show. No, it was only me. Only you. You were the only one. Nobody else tuned in. Nobody else tuned in. <laughs> that explains all the Emmys. But it's... Um, there's... With this kind of mentality amongst women that you have to do, you know, five times more to accomplish the same job, that being given a leadership position is so rare and so precious that you have to guard it with your life, that other women in leadership positions would not react well to another woman trying to impose their Their rule or their yes so you kind of get that territoriality of no no i have fought long and hard to be in this position i am not going to be usurped by anyone and you almost find yourself being like if you were a man trying to disseminate those ideas to other female heads of departments I am willing to bet big money they would have been more receptive to the change because of a lack of of real sense of authority whereas amongst other women there's this infighting that happens where you try and you know kind of one-up one another like you have to be the one who's the most in charge who has the most authority and the most influence otherwise you're just further down on the peg on the pedestal right which is still very much a problem today yeah Yeah. now having said that I've seen men do that kind of petty fighting as well, you know, among surgeons, for example, or that sort of thing. So it does happen. I think the egos get in the way. But I think in the case of women, as you say, they have fought long and hard to get to where they are, and they're not going to be thwarted in their efforts Mm -hmm. by some pipsqueak who comes along telling them what to do. Um, whereas if it was a man, they might grudgingly uh, concede. If they might, yes. Yeah. And it, and with, with men, it seems to come down to kind of that defensive masculinity mm-hmm. and that if they are to uh, sub, kind of subvert, if they are to kind of cave and give in to the will of another, especially if it's another man, it somehow docks man points. Like it somehow yeah. infringes on or reduces their masculinity yeah. or, or if they're willing to, you know, graciously succeed, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's somehow more acceptable mm-hmm. or, you know, it's all the manner in which you, you surrender. Mm-hmm. Right. But that, and it's, it, that seems to come down to an issue of masculinity. Whereas with women, it's almost like a, a feminized version of masculinity. Like we're trying to keep that that control and that power that we deem so masculine um, right. as a prized possession almost. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I think that that too will change and it may and it may be changing as we speak. I haven't worked in six years and I and I suspect that things kind of evolve. And I think as more and more women, uh, get to positions of authority and are comfortable giving orders. And giving orders sounds bad. It makes it sound like like you're cracking the whip. And yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. And it doesn't have to be harsh. It can just be 
we have a goal and this is how we're going to meet it. Mm -hmm. And because I'm in charge, I'm proposing that we do it this way, Mm -hmm. which is not to say that I'm not willing to hear other options. It doesn't have to be um, autocratic authority. It can be collaborative authority. And I think that's, in that respect, I think women are gaining a lot of ground because collaborating works and collaborating with like-minded people who have the same goal in mind gets the job done Mm -hmm. in a good way. Yeah, completely. But it's so not the historical norm. It is not the historical norm. It's not the way. And I think this is one of the things, one of the benefits of women in the workforce that we're changing how things are done. We're not just replicating the way things were done in the hierarchical male model. Yeah. We're changing it around to make it different and I think in a lot of ways better. Yes. And I think young men who are in the workforce are applauding that because they probably didn't like being in the male model any more than the guy at the top needing to crack the whip. So, like Lou always needing to be the bad. Yeah, yeah, and I mean he's he's kind of the 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 caricature of the the bossy boss mm-hmm. who is not mean, but he's 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 no bullshit, you know. No, yes. Like when he says, you know, I I always like to tell people when they're doing a good job. Yeah. Silence. <laughs> and nothing. Or hey Murray, well done. And it's like, ah, oh, man. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's, things have to change because the way things were being done isn't, was, it it just didn't work. It wasn't sustainable long term and it didn't, it, it didn't benefit anyone really. No, but it's, I I think it's as with anything else. Once you start to kind of um, rattle the cages and, and, and try and change the status quo, the people who have a vested interest in keeping the status quo are going to balk. They're yes. going to say, hey, no, it's my way. And men who have been in charge forever will get a little, uh, uh, you know, out of sorts mm-hmm. when women step in and kind of go, I'm in charge now. Yeah. Well, tough shit. It's about to happen. (laughs) I say screw it to all those men who take issue with men in control and stop telling Lauren Duca she's not good enough. God damn it. She's amazing. She's a fucking saint. Um, But yeah, so let us know who are some of your favorite women in charge? Who do you love in media who does such an amazing job? Um, And and what do you think of Mary's character in, in this episode in particular and at this point in her career, this kind of uh less confident still you know getting her feet wet uh what are some of your experiences with that share with us you know this 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 show is very much about sharing the female experience so Mm -hmm. so get in touch with us and let us know you know what your experience is yeah i mean we know what we think but we'd love to hear what you think of course yes it's all about all about voices as many voices as possible because the more we represent the better everything is for Mm -hmm. everybody so that's it for this week on The sh- the Snow Must Go On. Next week, for episode nine, we'll be looking at Bob and Rhoda and Teddy and Mary. Rhoda's new boyfriend takes an interest in Mary, and the newsroom preoccupies itself with the impending Teddy Awards. Imagine the Teddy Awards are probably something like the Emmys. Maybe. 
I imagine, but we'll perhaps see. for news specifically? Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, so we will tune in next week to another great episode. And uh, you can find us, of course, on the various social medias at After All Podcasts. So search for us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all over the place. And thanks again to Modern Superior for always giving us a wonderful home. Be sure to check out the rest of the Modern Superior family, including uh, my other show, uh, A Frame Apart. Um, you can email us at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. Again, all of social media you can find us on. And you can listen to the show on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, the Pocket Cast app, and of course on iTunes. So please go subscribe to the show on iTunes, share us with your family, your friends, uh, and uh, write us a little review on iTunes. Every little bit helps and makes the show a little bit more visible. The more visible we are, the more people can find the show. So uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.